Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoyed this message from our Sunday sermon series, Relation Shift. We'll be talking about how to identify and overcome obstacles that hinder healthy relationships. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoyed this message. I guess I'll say good afternoon. Good afternoon, everyone. If it's almost noontime, why don't you turn to someone and say good afternoon. You look good. All right. It really is. It's a good afternoon today, and we're glad you're here. It's uh, 10 minutes to noontime. I'll try not to keep you long, uh, but we appreciate all of you folks being here today, and just wonderful to be in the house of God. Uh, I'm glad to be in the church that's not afraid to smile and clap and sing. I'm just glad to be in that kind of church. And uh, I know how it is to be in a place where you can't even turn around, you can't smile, and it's quiet, man. You can hear, I don't know, you can hear molecules in the air. I don't know. I mean, it's just, uh, God, it's so quiet. But I, I just believe God loves the praises of his people. And I'll tell you what, uh, we, we just appreciate all you folks coming, worshiping the Lord with us. What a wonderful time. Uh, we're starting a new series this month called Relationship. Say Relationship. We, we usually say relationship, but we're talking about relationship. And the reason why we're calling it that is all of us have one or so many relationships in our lives. Basically, our whole lives deal with uh, relationships. We have relationships with family. We have relationships with friends, uh, a relationship on our job, uh, with managers. We have a relationship with God. How many can say amen to that? And relationship I- issues are part of life. All of, us, all of us have these relationship issues where uh, really the well-being of our lives has a lot to do uh, with the relationships that we have. Some of these relationships, or many of them bring us happiness, but there are a lot of times our relationships bring us to our knees, right? There's a lot of times where uh, some relationships really make us feel bad. I mean, how many of you have ever said this to yourself? Uh, I hate the way this person makes me feel. You probably have said that. Or maybe, uh, you know, this person makes me feel insecure uh, or insecure, or I can't deal with this relationship anymore, and, uh, you know, the, because of the way it makes me feel. And all of us, at one time or another, have gone through life in relationships, and we've hit some bumps along the road, and many of these relationships bring us to, like, almost a train wreck. You wonder what happened here, and it's at this point where we have to really begin to pump the brakes and say, you know what, uh, I need to shift gears. I need a relationship, uh, and it's time to basically stop at the red light because uh, you're getting a warning here. There's some things that need to change. And so uh, today I want to talk about relationships, but I want to talk about uh, people that manipulate. And so if you probably have met some people that manipulate in the relationship, they are manipulative people. And that word manipulate means to control or influence a person or situation cleverly, unfairly, and deviously. So let me get a show of hands of how many know someone at some point of your life that but tries to control you, manipulate you, or impose upon your life. Well, there's a lot of you here. All right. Those of you that... Didn't raise your hand. You're probably the manipulator. Amen. Anyway, no, I'm sorry. Just Hallelujah. Anyway, we're going to have a little bit of fun here, okay, guys? 
Uh, let me share a joke to make you feel better, right? I, just, I shared the joke in the earlier service and, and just make, make me laugh so I can feel a little, or make yourself laugh to make me feel a little better. Uh, but uh, this is, uh, everyone gets to, uh, St. Peter's in heaven, and there's two lines, and he's monitoring the lines. And one of the lines on the sign, it says, for men who are controlled by their wives. And under this line are men as far as the eye could see. And then there's another sign that says, for men who are not controlled by their wives. And there was just one poor guy standing there. And so St. Peter went up to him and said, why are you standing here? And the guy said, I don't really know, man. My wife told me to shut up and stand over here and don't ask any questions. (laughs) So today we're going to talk about... Manipulating, controlling people. And uh, this morning, I want us to recognize that really manipulation has started from the very beginning of time. We see it in the very early relationships of people. And uh, we could start with uh, Abraham and Sarah. For some of you that are not familiar with Abraham and Sarah, the scripture said that uh, they're, they're getting very old and they don't have any children. And so God speaks to Abraham and he said, listen, you're going to have a son, and from uh, your offspring, there are going to be many nations. There are going to be people that are uh, nations that are going to come out of your family, out of your offspring. And Abraham can't believe it. He says, I'm very old. He goes, don't worry. I'm, I'm going to take care of that. And so here they are. Abraham and Sarah are very old in age. And 10 years passes by, and Sarah gets a little impatient. And she says, man, we got to help God out. See, so, so many times when God's will not coming together, we, we think we can help God out. And so she decides to get her, talk to her husband. And this is what she says to him in Genesis chapter 16, verse 1 through 2. In fact, you know, before I even start reading that, I need to pray. How about that? I need to pray and ask the Lord to help us this morning. Let's take a moment here. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for your grace today. We pray, Lord God, that you'll minister to every person in this building, wherever they find themselves at right now, in relationships to people, relationships around them, and even in relationship with you. I pray your Holy Spirit would just reveal to them and speak to them and show them, God, what you desire for their lives. And God, remove distractions right now. Help us to give you our 100% undivided attention. I pray for the anointing of your spirit upon every word that I speak, and let the people hear the voice behind the voice. And the people said, amen. And so the Bible says that Sarah gets impatient with Abraham because she hadn't gotten pregnant yet. And she comes up with this idea in Genesis 16, verse 1. It says, and Sarai was Abraham's wife, but she did not have any children. She had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. Sarai told Abraham, the Lord has not allowed me to have any children, so sleep with my slave. Maybe she can have a son, and I will accept him as my own. And what did it say? Abraham did what Sarai said. Now, could you imagine Abraham Abraham says, okay, if I have to, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) I mean, you know, I guess it's a good plan. I don't know if there's a lot of manipulation there. We don't see Abraham putting up a fight. But apparently, uh, Sarah had manipulated Abraham to sleep with Sarah's a slave. And you know the outcome, if you know the scripture, that 
from that came Ishmael, who became a thorn in their side because they jumped out of the will of God, because they became impatient and because of manipulation. So there are consequences to our manipulation when we try to manipulate things and even try to manipulate the will of God. You got to let God be God. There's another place in Scripture in Genesis chapter 25, and I'm going to go through various different stories, and then I'm going to get to our, our message here. But I need to let you realize the, uh, the consequences and the impact of manipulation. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 25, for example, there are this uh, uh, twin brothers by the name of Jacob and Esau. And Esau, being the older brother who was born first, he's entitled to the birthright. The birthright is the oldest one gets the main inheritance. He becomes the head of the tribe after the father passes away. And the scripture says that Jacob, man, he, he's not happy about that. He wants that birthright. He wants to be able to be the one in the lead. And one day his brother Esau, again, he's the eldest, he comes in from hunting and he's very tired, he's very weak, he just got some food, but he wants to eat, and Jacob is already at home, and he's cooking up a bowl of stew. In fact, a bowl of lentils. Got some lentil soup. Got some frijoles. We don't know if they were Mexicanos or not, but they got, I'm sorry, but whatever they were, they were getting this thing going. And uh, his young brother Jacob is saying, you know what, uh, I got some lentil soup going, I've got some carrots in there, I got some vegetables, uh, I got it all going, man, and the Bible says Esau, he's tired. And this is what he says in Genesis 25, verse 32. Look, I'm dying of starvation. I don't know when you're tired and weak, it looks like you're starving. You're not starving. But he says, what good, he says, is my birthright to me now? And so the younger brother tricked his older brother, took advantage of him in a vulnerable spot, manipulated him, and that day he took away Esau's birthright because of manipulation. So there are impact and consequences when we allow people to manipulate us. In fact, later on, Jacob reaped what he sowed. How many know what goes around comes around? And Jacob got manipulated himself. Look at this. In Genesis chapter 29, Jacob gets manipulated because the Bible says he ends up it, it, at the house of his uncle Laban. Or, or Laban, I'm sorry. And he ends up there, and Laban says, you know, uh, you can work for me. And so he begins to work for him. And then Laban says, you know, is there anything that you desire? And he goes, well, I, I, I want to marry your youngest daughter, which was Rachel. The Bible says Rachel was the youngest daughter. She was very beautiful. And Laban said, if you work for me seven years, you'll get to marry her. See, see ladies, that guy needs to be working for you before he touches you. Are you hearing me? We got women today, you're just letting them touch you. They haven't even done anything yet for you. But that's another sermon. That's a whole different message. Again, I'm not talking about that, but just thought I'd throw that in for you. And so he worked seven years to marry Rachel. Seven years. And the Bible says that the night they get married, that night he marries her. He wakes up in the morning, but he ends up realizing that he looks over. Uh, in the morning, realize this is not Rachel. This is his her sister Leah. And he goes, "What? What is this? I've been I've been tricked." So he goes to Laban and he said, "Laban, what happened? And, you know, I I I made this proposal and you said for me to work seven years. It was Rachel. How how is it that you give me Leah? What what in the world? Back then when they got married, they had a vow, so you didn't really know who 
who you were marrying. And Laban says, oh, I forgot to tell you, I left one small little detail out. And look at what he said. Laban says this in Genesis chapter 29, verse 26. Laban replied, it is not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish the daughter's bridal week, then we will give you the younger one also, but in return for another seven years of work. Talk about manipulation. He got what was coming. Am I right? He manipulated his brother, and now they've manipulated him. And, of course, we know the story. He works another seven years, but it's out of manipulation. Now we go over to the New Testament, and probably the greatest manipulation that happened here in the New Testament is the story of King Herod and his wife and daughter. The Bible says that in Mark chapter 6, it talks about King Herod had this big party. And actually, he's throwing himself a birthday party. I guess if nobody throws you a party, you throw your own party. It's my party. You can cry if you want to. Anyway, so here he is. He's going to throw this party, throw this big party. And everybody's, you know, it's a serious buzz. Let me tell you, he is so drunk. The Bible says that, that his daughter comes out or her, his wife's daughter comes out and she starts dancing before him. And so he gets so excited that after she stops dancing, if you read the story, he says, I'll give you anything. What do you want? I'll give you anything. You know, I'll give you up to half my kingdom. How many know when you're drunk, you, made some, you make some foolish promises? Go ahead, take my keys. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I don't know. Go ahead, take the keys, honey. That little woman over there, she can have whatever you want. And you know, when you're drunk, you just give your money. Here, take this. How much money you want? And so anyway, he, he's, given away the, he's given away the town. But this is what happened. The Bible says that uh, Herodias, uh, or not Herodias, but the daughter goes to her mom, Herodias, which is King Herod's wife. And she says, Mom, what do we do? What should I, what should I ask for? He's willing to give me anything. And she said, I want you to ask him for the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Now, the reason why Herodias says that, because she has this grudge. How many know grudges, man, will take you far? And this woman had the grudge against the prophet John the Baptist because John the Baptist called her out on her sin. See? See, how, see what under threat how a pastor is? Don't call out my sin. And so she called out her sin. She didn't like it when she had the opportunity. The Bible said, look at what it says, Mark chapter 6, verse 25, it says, So the king hurried back to the king and told him, I want the head of John the Baptist right now on a tray. And it said, Then the king deeply regretted what he had said, but because of his vows he had made in front of all of his guests, he couldn't refuse her. So because he was so drunk... But he made the promise. He had to stick with his promise. He was manipulated by his wife who used her daughter to manipulate him, to make him do something he didn't want to do. That's what manipulation will do. Cause you to do things that you don't really want to do. They'll get you in a corner. Some of us have family members like that. Some of you have friends like that. They corner you. And you're doing things you don't want to do. But you've been manipulated and controlled by somebody else. And here's probably one of the most tragic stories in the Old Testament, going back to the Old Testament in Judges chapter 16. It's tragic, but kind of cracks me up. I'm sorry, kind of dark humor when I read it. it, it you know, you just kind of say, I can't believe this is happening. 
Because this is the story of Samson. The Bible says he's the strongest guy in the Old Testament. He killed a, a lion by his bare hands. He kills a thousand Philistine men with the jawbone of a donkey. Can you imagine just a jawbone and you kill a thousand men? This guy is a threat to the Philistine. They don't like him. They don't know how they can beat him. They know that he has supernatural strength, that there's a secret to his strength, that they're trying to find out what, what is this secret? How come he's got this superpower, so to speak? And they begin to, they get Delilah, and they said, Delilah, you need to find out what the secret is to Samson's strength. And so she kind of goes undercover and tried to manipulate him to get his secret. And the Bible said that over and over, she began to ask him, hey, tell me what it is. What's your secret? And I want, I want to read this in Judges chapter 16, verse 15. And I'm going to try to read it to you in a whining woman's voice, okay? Uh, Judges 16, 15. How can you say I love you? When you won't confide in me. This is the third time. I can't do it. This is the third time. I don't know why. I can only go so far in this thing. Whose idea was this? Anyway, this, this, is the, this is the third time. You've made a fool of me. And haven't told me the secret of your strength. You don't have a good sense of humor. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> and she, which, uh, with such nagging, the Bible says, she prodded him day after day until he was tired to death. She nagged him so much, it's funny to me that he was tired to death. Now, if you don't like that version, look at this other version, New, New, New Living Translation. She nagged him until she, he couldn't stand it any longer. King James Version said, she vexed his soul to death. <laughs> Honey, you vexed my soul to death. I mean, you've been nagging me so much. And so this is, this is what happened in this story. And finally, he said, go ahead. He finally yields because she's been nagging him so much. And he tells her, it, the secret is in the cutting of my hair. My hair has never been cut. I've made the Nazarite vow. And, of course, after he reveals it, he dies. And so how many of us would say, honestly, don't raise your hand just yet. Uh, how many would say, honestly, you know someone, I'll tell you just a moment, maybe a parent, an in-law, your children, uh, maybe friends that, that if they could control you, if you'd let them, uh, they could manipulate you because uh, you know how they are. And if you gave them an opportunity, you, you, they would manipulate you. How many know someone like that? Just a little experiment. You lift, you lift your left hand. Your left hand. Okay, lift your right foot six inches above like that. Just want to see if I can control you guys. No, I'm just, again, what I'm saying to you this morning is a lot of us probably know someone that tries to manipulate. And I'm, we're having a little bit of fun with it, but it's really tragic when you think of all the power that manipulation does to people. And I'll, I'll give you this last funny manipulation, and it's a movie that... A, that I enjoy watching. It's called What About Bob? How many remember that? What About Bob? And What About Bob is the biggest manipulator that I ever saw. And he does it so innocently and so slick. 
that you feel sorry for him, but he is manipulating you. And so here's a, a part of, if you haven't seen the movie, I'm, I'm going to do a spoiler alert. He, he arrives at the uh, psychiatrist, I believe. Uh, he arrives at his uh, vacation spot. He finds a way to get there so the psychiatrist can help him. He's manipulated his way, and this is the conversation. Go ahead and put that clip up there. There it is. <laughs> give me, give me, give me. I need, I need. And that's the power of manipulation. And how does manipulation work? I'm going to give you a few common examples of people, what they use, some of the tools that they use to manipulate. And you probably know this. Uh, number one is they try to flatter you. They try to butter you up before they stick in the knife, right? They try to butter you up. Uh, they're manipulators. You might have met them at work, and you may have some coworkers that are manipulated. They suck up to the boss, you know, and they uh, everything the boss does. Oh yeah, that's a great idea, boss. Oh yeah, that's good. And you know it sucks, but they 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 say it's great, and and they they kind of just kind of agree with the boss all the time, and and then later on they're the ones that are always asking, you know, I want I want the week off uh, because they're manipulators. They get their way. They exaggerate the compliments. They overcompensate you know, the, the compliment. They flatter you. They're like, what are you, you know, look, they're looking at you and they go, man, you know, are you, are you losing weight? No, I'm actually gaining weight. What? <laughs> you know, they're always complimenting you. And these are part of the tactics. They're, they're the, the other tactic is they, they use threats. How many know people that they use threats to get you to do things? Well, if you do this, you're going to regret it. If you do that, I'm going to hang up on you. We're not going to be friends anymore. I won't be talking to you. I'm unfriending you. Yes, if you do that. If you invite them to the birthday party, I'm not going. Well, when you need to borrow some money, don't come talking to me. And they use that as a threat. I've had people say, Pastor, if I don't get that ministry, I'm, not coming. I'm going to another church. Bye. Pastor, if you don't give me that ministry, I'm not giving. That's between you and God. That's not me. Are you hearing me? Or a wife who says, you know what? Don't expect something later. I'm going on strike. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know what that could mean. Just use your imagination. And so all of those things, they use it as a threat. And to try to manipulate you to get you to do something you don't want to do. Or the, or the third tactic is they use guilt. After all I've done for you, and you call yourself a Christian, I thought I could depend on you. I thought I can count on you. I thought we were tight. What happened? Obviously, I can't depend on you, right? Oh, it's because you have other favorites. You do it for them, but you won't do it for me, huh? Do you see the guilt? You know what I'm talking about because you've done it. 
Oh, I'll just stay here, then go ahead and have fun. I just won't eat for a whole week. Go ahead. <laughs> right? Or kids, you know, they, they threaten their moms, you know. Oh, you know what? No, then you, you don't really love me. Obviously, you don't love me. And you don't love your grandchildren either, so I guess that's the way it's going to work. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or a mom tries to control the whole family because she's got the money. And they're always borrowing from her. And she controls them. I've seen them. They work in tribes, man. The mom's in charge of everything. And I, I, mean, the, I mean, you know, the, 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 the daughters, the, the sons, they're all grown. They have their own families. But the mom controls it, man. She's like the patriarch. She controls everything. If she gets in an argument with somebody in the church, everybody leaves. They, like, they leave like a whole nation leaves with them. Because the mom controls everything. She manipulates everybody. Are you hearing me? She's got the money. She controls. I've met them. I know who they are. <laughs> and through bribery, through threats, through guilt, a lot of people who otherwise are pretty decent people allow themselves to be worked over. Allow people to pull their strings and get them to do things. And, and I pray this morning that uh, we'll recognize when somebody is trying to control us. And so this morning, I want to give you a couple of tools this morning to help you break some of that manipulation, help you recognize when manipulation is taking place in your life, when people are trying to impose, impose their will on your life, and you have to learn how to deal with manipulative people, because if you let them, people will manipulate you and walk over you, and that is not the will of God for your life. So a couple of things I'm gonna, I want to help you with. Number one, we really need to pray and ask the Holy Spirit. Honestly, you know, I, 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 I love to give people the benefit of the doubt. So I, I don't want people to manipulate me. They come with an ideal. I want to make sure it's not for their benefit. It's for the benefit of the whole church. It's not because they're going to get something out of it and they're going to profit by their own. But really, they're thinking about the overall, overall body. So I really have to pray when somebody comes and presents something that it's not somebody trying to manipulate me to do something that I normally would not do. So you really need to pray. So number one, write this down. You need to pray this. I want you to pray, God, help me to recognize when someone is trying to manipulate me. So many of us, believe it or not, you live so long in that dysfunction and that type of relationship that you don't even recognize that you've been manipulated for so long. I've seen them. I've talked to people. They don't even recognize that their own children are manipulating them, that their parents are manipulating them. They don't even recognize. They've been living so much in that dysfunction that they don't recognize the unhealthy lifestyle and this person is leading them and they're following them and they don't even recognize that this person is manipulating them by threats or guilt or flattery and they think, man, you know what, they have my best interest in mind. No, they don't because you don't recognize it. In fact, there's a great story we're going to read here about Jesus and the Bible says that Jesus is uh, he knows that he's going to be crucified. He knows he's going to be tortured. He knows he's going to be beaten. And, uh, you know, this is now he's been with the disciples and he's been imparting to them the things of God. He's been showing them the good news and demonstrating. But he also knows that he has a mission on the earth, and that was to come and die for the world. For God so loved the world. 
He knows he's going to die in order for mankind to be forgiven. And so he begins to talk to his disciples at the very vulnerable moment and begins to tell them that he's going to give his life for the world. And this is what the, what the scripture said in Matthew chapter 16. Look at what it says, verse 21. It says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he most, must go to Jerusalem and what? Suffer. Many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, teachers of the law, and then basically that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. So from that day forward, the Bible says Jesus began to explain to them. He began to tell them, listen, this is going to happen. This is part of the will of God. I'm going to sacrifice my life. We're on our way to Jerusalem. There are things that are going to happen. I'm going to be killed, but I'm going to rise again from the dead. You just need to know this ahead of time, guys. I'm preparing you, but I want you to look at verse 22. Look at what Peter tries to do. He tries to take control of the situation. Peter took him aside, and he said, Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Now, think about this. Peter took him aside. I want you to realize this is the thing that manipulators do. Uh, they lose power in groups, so they always take you aside. Oh, come, on, come over here, bro. Come over here. Hey, sis, over here. I, want, I, I need to tell you something. Because they lose power in groups. Hey, let me call you. Oh, you know what? I'll text you. Oh, you oh, let's go out for coffee. Because they, they manipulate in isolation. And so this is what Peter does. He takes him aside. And he said, oh, Jesus. Oh, oh, excuse me, guys. Jesus over here. I got something to tell you. And the Bible says he tells uh, Jesus, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Now, when you first read it, you get the impression that Peter really cares about Jesus. You get the impression that, G that Peter really cares about what's going to happen to Jesus. And he said, Lord, this can't happen to you. Now, we know already that Jesus has already been telling him that it is going to happen. So what are you talking about? Shut up, Peter. You've, uh, he, Jesus has already been telling us. Why are you fighting this? Because, Jesus, because Peter was not concerned about Jesus' welfare. He wasn't concerned about what was going to happen to Jesus. He was concerned about himself manipulators are selfish they only think about themselves they make you think that they care about you care about others but really they only care about themselves really peter was saying jesus man if you die what's gonna happen to us man we've been with you three years what about us what, what are we gonna do and so he's trying to stop this from happening and the interesting thing about this is a lot of us this morning, you may have some people that are very intentional manipulators. You may even know some people like that. There may even be husbands who try to abusively, uh, 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 verbally control their wife. Or you know someone, uh, you, you've seen those, those kids that bully other kids and try to uh, uh, manipulate them. And, and they simply want to to control somebody else. And, and so maybe if you look at here, you say, well, Peter seems to have good intentions. But let me just tell you something. Peter was standing between Jesus and God's will. Are you hearing me? When we let a manipulator in, he is standing between you and the will of God. He is stopping what God is trying to do in your life. And if you let it happen, it will. Are you hearing me? 
Peter seemed to have the right intention, but I want you to realize something, that he was standing between him, between Jesus and the will of God, and basically so that's how a manipulator will work. He makes it sound that he has the best for you and said, man, I have the best interest, but many times it's not the best for you. Are you hearing me? And you've got to discern, hey, is this person trying to make, manipulate me to do something? Listen, take these notes down. If you find yourself often feeling guilty and, and hard to say no to someone, they're probably manipulating you. If you look at someone in your life that desires and you desire to please them and, man, out of guilt, you always say yes because it looks like you feel like you're the only one that can solve the problem, they're probably manipulating you. If you feel guilty all the time because you're letting them, letting them down, and you think, man, ultimately I'm responsible for them. No, they're manipulating you. You're not supposed to be responsible for everybody. And some of those people made those decisions on their own, and they, they need to live it out. You need to stop trying to be the hero. Are you hearing me? They're manipulating you. They're using you to get their way. Recognize that. Pray. God, show me. Is this person manipulating me? Number two. Manipulation works. We need to pray this prayer because the way manipulation works, it, it, it will try to get you to compromise your values to please somebody else. And you need to pray, God, help me not to compromise my values to please other people. It could be a sweet girl, man. She's a good girl. And all of a sudden, she has this guy she's dating, and he's pressuring her to do something she doesn't want to do. And he finally tells her, well, if you don't love me, show me any love, I'll find it somewhere else. And what happens, that girl gives in. That's manipulation. Causing you to compromise your values in order to please that other person. Or you have friends that say, hey, let's go to this club. Let's go over here. And you know what happened last time, but, but you know, they, they pressure you. And say, oh, you're going to church now, huh? You're better than us, huh? You hear what I'm saying? Yeah, uh I don't want to be a fool like you, huh? You hear what I'm saying? And they manipulate you and, and cause you to feel guilty because you're not doing They're causing you to compromise your values. They're causing you this morning to realize, you know, are causing you to, to, to think about your values and think twice about what you're standing for. And this is why it's very important that you ask God to empower you, to strengthen you, to give you a resolve to say, you know what, I'm not going to let you manipulate me. This is where we need a relationship. You need to shift the way you do things. You need to set some boundaries in your relationship. And I'm talking about all relationship. I'm talking about the way you deal with your kids. Some of you, some of you parents, you let your kids manipulate you. I can see it a mile away. It's almost a joke how they just got you wrapped around their finger. Really? You're going to do that? You're going to let them manipulate you? You're the grown-up. I don't care. Are you hearing me? They need to grow. They need to learn responsibility. Oh, I'm preaching good now. I'm going to get my head chopped off pretty soon, but it's okay. I'm preaching this morning. And I'm just going to tell you the truth. You need to recognize it. You need to realize what they're trying to do to you. They're trying to guilt you into things, trying to threaten you to do things. There needs to be a relationship. You need to set the new terms. 
You need to say, this is not going to happen. Not no more, honey. It's not going to happen anymore. And so Jesus had to put in a relationship. He told Peter, guess what, Peter? Come over here. You, you, you took me aside. Now I need to take you aside. Verse 23, look at what Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. Now I'm not telling you to be rude. <laughs> but Jesus could do this. What was Jesus doing? He was setting a boundary here. He was setting a new term. And he said, you are a stumbling block to me. You don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. So whenever your grandma tries to get you to do something, just say, get behind me. No, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. I'm just kidding. Don't start calling people Satan. Pastor Satan is here. Will you talk to them? No. No, no, no. We're not, we're not, we're not going there. But what you do need to understand uh, that people can actually be a stumbling block leading you to do something you shouldn't be doing. You need to redefine your relationship. You need a relationship. You need to set some new terms. That's what Jesus was doing here. He was saying, hey, listen, uh, we're, not going, we're not doing that, Peter. We're, you're, you're, you're trying to do the things of men. I'm doing the will of God. I'm not going to let you manipulate me and talk me out of God's will. Because you're just looking out for yourself. I'm, we're not going to do that, Peter. It's not happening today. We're not going down that road. And that's what we need to do when people try to manipulate us. Say, we're not going down that road. We're not walking that way. That's, that, that, we're, we're, having a, we're shifting gears here. This is the new relationship. Can you say amen? And even our kids, man, our kids to throw this big uh, uh, you know, fit, and they can, you know, flop on the ground like a fish, and I need this, give me candy, give me that. You need to, you need to tell those little kids, we're, it's a shift. No, you're not getting candy now, and we get home, you're not getting any candy there either. Not going to happen. You're not getting what you want. Because the moment they start throwing fits, and they, you start responding to their fit, guess what? You've been manipulated. You need to tell that friend, listen, you, you can pout, you can hang up, you can unfriend me, but I love you. I want to help you. I want to be your friend, but it's a new day today. We're having a relationship. Are you hearing me? I'm not going to be threatened or guilt into doing things. You know, sometimes people, they're threatening. You say, you know what? Carry out your threats, but I'm not going to live that way. I'm not going to live under threats of people. I'm not going to let people try to guilt me into things. We need to redefine. We need to take the power back. Can you say amen? And say, so, you know what? You're not going to control me. You're not, you're not going to make me do things that, that I don't want to do and I don't believe is the will of God. And basically, that's what Jesus was telling Peter. We're not going there, Peter. And why is this important? Listen, because when you let someone else control you, you are idolizing them. You are putting them before God. God says in the book of Exodus, he says, you shall have no other God before me. When you put anyone or anything before God, they become your idol. And I've seen families do this. Uh, I've seen people do this. Uh, you make that person an idol. You commit to them. You do what they tell you to do. You're committing the sin of idolatry. When you're allowing someone else to control you, and you're doing somebody what everybody else is telling you to do rather than God, they become your idol. You need to be careful this morning that you're not being manipulated. And number three, are you ready for this? You need to pray, God, help me to see my own need to stop trying to control things and surrender to you. Because sometimes 
we can manipulate ourselves because we want to be in control and not let God be the one that leads us. And we need to stop being the manipulator. Are you hearing me? We need to be very careful that we're not manipulating others. We need to say, God, help me to stop being the one always being trying to be in control. You know, we're always trying to control things. Come on. It's all of our sin. It's my sin. We want to control every situation. We want to control this thing, that thing, and we think we can control everything. Let me just tell you something about life. You can't control everything. Just realize that right now. Let me just sober you up right now. You can't control everything. In fact, you don't make a good God. When you try to control things, you're trying to put yourself in the place of God. Let me tell you, I don't want you to be God. I don't want to be God. There's only one God in heaven that's in control of everything. He's the one I'm looking to. But when we try to control everything, when we try to dictate everything, we're trying to control our wives, we're trying to control our friends, we're trying to control what happens in church. And, and the bottom line is the reason why we're trying to do this because we're afraid to surrender everything to God. So we want to be in control. We want to control every situation, every circumstance. I've just learned that, uh, you know, it, by experience and as a pastor, I can't control everything. You know what my pastor told me? I'll just be, can I be real transparent? Is that all right? My pastor told me this. He goes, people are going to do what they want to do. As much as I try to help people, I realize sometimes people walk away and go, you know, I gave them some advice, but they're not going to do what I tell them. What I've advised them to do, they're going to do what they want to do. They say, Pastor, I really need your help, man. If you'll just tell me, you know, and so I said, okay, you really want to know the truth. I'm going to give you some guidance. I believe you should do this. And they go, oh, okay. And they walk away, and I go, they're not going to do what I told them to do because people are going to do what they want to do. That's just the way people are. That's human nature. I prayed. You know, sometimes I'm praying for people, and I go, I'm, they go, Pastor, would you pray for me over this situation and this and that? You know, and they say, yeah, I'm gonna, you know, I really need God's strength to do this and do that. And after I prayed, I said, that prayer didn't do a thing because people are going to do what they want to do. Until we decide that we're not in control, until we decide that, man, we can't be God and that we serve God and we trust him, that we don't make a good God. Are you listening to me? That say, God, you know what? I'm going to trust you with this whole situation. I'm not going to try to manipulate things. I'm not going to control, try to control other people. I'm not going to try to control the whole situation, God. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe you. I'm not going to try to put my thumb on my kids. I've seen that, man, where parents are putting their thumb on their kids, trying to restrain them, trying to keep them back, and you're keeping them from growth. You're keeping them from uh, being and growing up and learning responsibility. I'm telling you, you're hurting them more than you're helping them. You've got to allow God to work it through. What it's going to take, you know what it's going to take? It's going to take you to trust God. Stop trusting in yourself. Stop trusting in people. Let me read this scripture to you. In Isaiah chapter 26, because I feel like you guys are throwing axes at me right now. Uh, Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 and 4. I know it may be my last time here, man. Who knows? Somebody afterwards is going to pull me aside. Anyway, you will keep, you will keep in perfect peace. Perfect peace means free from turmoil, free from fear and anxiety. He goes, you will keep in perfect peace who all who trust in you, God, and all whose thoughts are what? Fixed on you. That's Isaiah 26, verse 3 and 4. The Verse 4 says, trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God 
is the eternal rock. At the end of the day, we need to trust God. I've prayed with people. I've talked to people all the time. They said, Pastor, what do I do? I said, you know, in this, this situation, we're just going to have to trust God. And some people get mad like, that's it. That's all we're going to do? Yeah, that's it. We're going to have to trust God. Don't trust in yourself. Don't trust in people. We're going to have to trust God in this situation. We're going to have to believe God, that God's going to come through. I don't, I don't understand it. I don't know how it's all going to work out. But I'm not going to try to manipulate and try to make things happen. I'm going to trust God that he's in control. Can you say amen? And ultimately, I want to just tell you, God is in control. I said God is in control of the whole situation. Let's stop trying to be the manipulator. Let's stop trying to control everything. Let's stop trying, trying to play God. Let God be who he is. Learn how to trust God. Say, God, you got this in control. You got my family. You, you got it all, God. There's things that are happening. It's not perfect. It's not always the way I want it to be. But God, ultimately, you're in control, and I trust you. Man, if there's anyone that we can trust is God. God, I don't understand why all these things are happening in my life. But ultimately, God, you're God. You're in control. You're sovereign. There's nothing that happens without you knowing. God, I'd rather trust you than people, than man. I, I, I got to stop trying to please other people. I just need to please God. I just need to please God. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.